Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Glad you're here with us today. So Father Don is in Kentucky. He went up to see the Creation Museum and the Ark. So they're having a great time. We actually have a video to show you that he filmed yesterday and sent to us. Uh, Father Tom is at a family reunion. So you're stuck with me today. <laughs> wow, thank you. I said I think it's kind of baptism by fire or something. I get ordained and everybody leaves. <laughs> Hope for the best. So um, as I was preparing this sermon, I was going to preach to you on the gospel reading, and then last week I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen in a while, and we were talking, and they were sharing how they just didn't quite believe that God could forgive them of some sin that they had committed many years ago. And they've been in church quite a long time, and they've been involved in things, and they said, but I just don't know if, if Jesus could really have forgiven me for this sin. And so then I had to rewrite my sermon, because the Holy Spirit convicted me, and pretty much he said, you need to preach on the Romans passage. And so the big idea is that we are justified by faith in Christ alone. Pretty simple message, and yet so often I think that's something we struggle with, that we could possibly be justified in Christ alone when we look at our lives and look at the sins that we've committed. And so Paul's main argument really in Romans is that we are accountable to God. We're accountable to God. And one of the things I enjoyed in seminary was that when we'd study a book of the Bible, they'd often make us divide it up into in structural components. And so we'd have to kind of break up, uh, I'm trying to think, I did Mark for one of the books, and we had to go through and lay out what Mark looked like and what each section was about, so I really like doing that still. It kind of helps us get a big picture, I think. And so Romans is kind of broken up into the chapters 1 and 2 and the beginning of 3 are really all about sin. They're all about sin and our sin nature. Chapters 3 to 5 look at salvation. We're in chapter 5 today. After chapter 5, Paul talks about sanctification in chapters 6 through 8. 9 to 11 really talk about the sovereignty of God, and then chapters 12 to 16 look at service, specifically how we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, and that's how it starts in 12.1. So this is really the way Paul writes is kind of a from-through-to movement, is what I'd like to call it. And so you start with the sin, that's where we're coming from, we're moving through Jesus, and we're getting to this process that Paul talks about of sanctification, discipleship. And so I think you can kind of look at the whole Bible in that respect. You can look at the whole Bible in that way and say it's really moving from, through, to. From sin entering the world, going all through the Old Testament, to Jesus coming, and then through Rev Revelation. And so I think that's a good way to kind of divide things up. I think we can look at our lives that way. Where did we start from? And then we're all moving through Jesus, hopefully when we accept him as our personal Lord and Savior. And then where, what is he calling us to then? Personally, while we're here on earth, what is our vocational call? And then where are we going, ultimately, is to be with him. And so in looking at this, I want to start with this sin piece that we didn't really read about today so much. That was more in the first couple of chapters of Romans. But I found it inter interesting as I was preparing for this sermon that in 1926, the Minnesota Crime Commission said this about the human condition. They said, every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. 
He wants what he wants when he wants it, his bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his uncle's watch, or whatever it is. Deny him these things, and he boils with rage and aggressiveness, which would be murderous, were he not so helpless. He's dirty, he has no morals, no knowledge, and no developed skills. This means that all children, not just certain children, but all children, are born delinquents. <laughs> Sounds right to me. If, if permitted to continue in their self-centered world of infancy, given free reign to their impulsive actions to satisfy every want, every child would grow up to be a criminal, a thief, a killer, or a rapist. I think that's a pretty clear statement on the human condition. And I think it's really what Paul's getting at here, is saying that through one man's sin, sin entered the world. And with that sin came death. And so Adam's sin permitted sin to reign over the whole human race, but it's more than just a physical death that Paul's talking about here. Paul is really talking about life versus death. Life, you, you could say, is love, joy, excitement, fulfillment in every direction, in every possibility of our being. That's what was intended for in the garden. That's how it was supposed to be. Love, joy, excitement, and fulfillment in all directions. But when sin entered the world, we got death, and death is the absence of life. It is emptiness, it's loneliness, it's misery, it's depression, it's boredom, it's restlessness. How much of our life is made up with death? I think a lot of areas of our lives are made up with death. I think of how restless we are, how discontent we are, how we're always looking for something more. I never really thought of that as the death piece until I was working on this sermon. But when we're discontent and bored and restless, that's part of this death. That's part of this fallen world that we live in. And I know I struggle with that at times, as all of us do. Because death reigns because of Adam. But then we get to chapter 5, or chapter end of 3, 4, and 5, but 5 where we are today, and it's really all about salvation. And Paul's theme is that salvation only comes through faith in Jesus Christ. There is no other way to inherit eternal life. There is no other way to have life of God in the soul of man. There's no other way to be made right with God than through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a pretty simple message, and yet how often we struggle with that. How often we get caught up in our own sin and say, I don't think Jesus did that for me. Or we say, I'm going to work my way to the Father, and I'm going to try to do right, and I'm going to try to fix this myself, and that doesn't work, because the only way to be right with God is through the power of his Son, and what he did for us on the cross. And Paul is really saying here that what we get in Jesus is better than anything we ever lost in Adam. Because what we get in Jesus is even more than we had in Adam. And so it really brings about that concept of justification being made right before God. And so there's three kind of things that I think justification is about. First, it's all about grace. It's all about grace. It says in Romans 3, chapter, or verses 23 and 24, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. 
In chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. But then justification comes into play because of the grace of God. We're justified because of God's grace. There's nothing we can do to earn it. And yet so often I think we try to earn this. We try to do something that's going to make different, make us different. And really, we can't change ourselves. It's only going to come by the grace of God. Next, justification is all in Christ. It's all in Christ. Redemption that came through Christ Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, For our sake he was made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. It is in justification we are clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. And then it's all in faith. In Hebrews 11 verse 6 it says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Justification comes to those who believe. I mean, I really feel like as I was putting this together, I said it's such a simple message, and it's one that we miss so often. It's one we struggle with so often. And if we don't get this part, then we're going to struggle with the whole discipleship piece, the sanctification piece, because if you don't get that Jesus paid at all, the rest of that stuff's going to be really hard to work on and live through and be changed by if we're not getting that Jesus did take care of everything. You see, faith is a conduit which the grace of God runs to bring us into a right relationship with him. Scottish theologian and professor John Murray said, As one has aptly and truly stated the case, it is not faith that saves, but faith in Jesus Christ. Strictly speaking, it's not even faith in Christ that saves, but Christ that saves through faith. Faith unites us to Christ, in the bonds of abiding attachment and entrustment. And it is in this union which ensures that the saving power, grace, and virtue of the Savior become operative in the believer. The specific character of faith is that it looks away from itself and finds its whole interest and object in Christ. He is absorbing preoccupation of faith. You know, as followers of Christ, as those that have been justified through him, we live in a way that pleases God, not because of terror of what God will do to us, but rather from gratitude because of what God has already done for us. You know, a lifeboat is really no good unless we get in it, and a lighthouse is useless if we don't follow it. And the source of justification is the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ through the means of faith. We have to have faith in order to get into the boat. God's extended us that grace, and we have to have the faith to do that. And I think as we reflect on justification through faith in Christ alone, we have to remember the power of the gospel in our lives. In Romans chapter 1, it tells us that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul reminds us that it is the gospel that transforms us. In Acts 20, 24, it is the gospel that enables us to experience grace. And in 2 Timothy chapter 1, we learn that it is the gospel that is our life. Very simplistic message. I said I felt very elementary in preparing this sermon when I sat through four or five weeks of classes on justification. 
that were very in-depth, but I think sometimes it's not the in-depth piece that we need. Sometimes we do need that milk piece. Sometimes we need to be reminded of where we are coming from and who we're going through to get there. And I think this is one of those weeks that it's so important to evaluate our lives and say, where are we? Do we fully embrace this, that Jesus did pay it all on the cross and justified us and were made right with him? Or are we holding things back? As we partake in the Eucharist today, which is the high point of the Anglican service, the Eucharist every week, we should be reminded of what it means to be justified by faith and to have peace with God. We should be sitting in our seats and recognizing that this is all because of grace, all in Christ, all through faith, and all of God. There was a pastor that once said he was convinced that on Judgment Day, Jesus was going to ask us this question. Did you have faith and believe that I loved you, that I desired you, that I waited for you day after day, that I longed to hear the sound of your voice? Do we have that? Do we have that type of faith and believe that he loves us, that he desires us, as unworthy as he are, that he desires us, that he waits on us day after day, and that he wants to hear from us. He wants to hear the sound of our voice. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? Because that's something we have to grasp. And I know it's so easy, and I'm guilty of it too. We sit in church our whole lives, and sometimes we go through the motions. Sometimes we go through the motions and we think, ah, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. But are we going to God? Are we, seek, are we confessing our sins to God? Are we seeking forgiveness from those that we've wronged in our lives? Are we living, are we putting into practice what is in this book? Or are we just going through the motions? And do we really believe we're justified? Do we really believe that Jesus did pay it all for us on that cross? No matter what we've done, if we go to him and confess our sins, that he will forgive us. You know, my prayer is really that we know how loved we are that we know that Jesus did pay it all on the cross, that through faith in Christ we are justified, we are forgiven, and that we're in good standing through the power of the Holy Spirit through the Son. I hope we get that today. You know, I love at the 5 o'clock service, and it's not a service that I attend a lot, but they use the Kenyan liturgy. And it's very different from what we do here. But one of the things they do is they have someone hold the cross up front, and they do this where they say, we send to the cross of Christ, and they put their arms out and they do that. All our sins, we send to the cross of Christ. All our wants, our desires, all those things, we send to the cross of Christ. I think that's a good visual for us of what we're supposed to be doing. And today, when you come up for communion, I hope that you bring those doubts, those struggles, those sins, and give them to him. I hope you really do lay them down at the foot of the cross. Because this is serious. This is serious. If you can't get the justification piece, it's going to be really hard to walk through the process of sanctification. And I think for us today, as we come to communion, you know, this is a time that we really need to do that. If you have something that you're struggling with, bring it to the cross when you come up to communion as you partake in the body and blood of Christ. That's the important part of our service today. All these parts are really important in our Anglican heritage and tradition, and I hope when you come up you can do that. I hope you can do that. Because I know, I know so many of us struggle with things that we think God can't fix in our lives. 
We just do, and yet he can. And so today, I know we're very social. We're a very social group. But today, when you come up to communion, I hope we can be quietly reflective as we come up. What are those things in our life that we are doubting, that we're struggling with, those sins, and really bring them up quietly and partake in communion and give those to Christ so that you can leave here today knowing that you are forgiven, that we're forgiven, and that we're going to walk through this process of discipleship together here at Christ the King because we're on the same page, that we know that Jesus paid it all for us on the cross. That's what I hope more than anything else for us. And so I really encourage you, as we walk through this and as we say the creed and the confession, and as you come up to communion today, bring those things to the cross of Christ. Amen.